Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursday. So what do we generally do on Turf Talk Thursdays? I give you a breakdown of each NFL game on the upcoming slate. I give you my keys to victory, kind of how I would expect things to play out. I also look at the betting lines and, and give my final score prediction based on those. I'll give you usually a confident score that goes along with that to kind of let you know what my mindset is with a confident score. If it's a, a zero or one, that means I have no confidence in what's going on in this game. If it's a five, it is the game is pretty well set up by Vegas. And if it's a nine or ten, that means I'm extremely confident I would take that bet. I also give you a fantasy football breakdown for that Thursday night game. Fantasy football Fridays generally do that for all the games, but it would be a day too late and a little bit too short if I gave you Thursday night's information on Friday. So I do that in this show as well. For those of you all who are new to the show, uh, best place to get football related content from me is on Twitter. And my handle on Twitter is at CJ Florida nine. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in, and I'm going to talk about the Thursday game. It's finally here, folks. We are in week one of the NFL season. This is September 8th, so this is the first game of the season. It's going to be the Bills visiting the Super Bowl champion Rams. This is generally a good matchup each year where you have, again, the defending Super Bowl champions hosting uh, a team of relevance, right? Whether it's a team that is flashy uh, and they draw big numbers like the Cowboys, or it's a team that is... You know, a new upstart where let's say Jacksonville would be this year's upstart because they have a Trevor Lawrence. And in this case, it is a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills. So they'll be hosting them. I'm going to start off with the fantasy football aspect of it because, again, we're getting into this game. You're trying to make decisions based on your lineup. I don't want you to wait till the end of the show to get that. I want you to get it as soon as possible. So from the fantasy football perspective, let's start with the quarterbacks. Josh Allen is the QB1 for most people. He even was mine once everything was said and done. Uh, <clears throat> this is a tough matchup for him. Josh Allen will still be, if I were doing rankings that included him, um, like I do on my Fantasy Football Fridays, Josh Allen will probably be ranked number four or five. I think that there are better options this week, but also he still is so much of this team's offense and does offer the option of running the ball with his legs that he is a great value and play in anything. Daily fantasy, he might be a bit of a fade based on the options that are offered. And if you're playing in Sunday-only tournaments, it doesn't matter anyway. But Josh Allen is a must-start for you if you drafted him. I'm starting him in a league, in fact, uh, tonight uh, as we go along. Matt Stafford, different story. While Matt Stafford will be throwing the ball quite a bit and will have lots of opportunity, and that's what you generally want. You want a guy who has talent, which Stafford does, with talented receivers and receiving options, which he definitely does with Cooper Cup and now Allen Robinson added to the fold. But even though it's not a huge concern, that injury, the elbow is a bit of a concern. And also, I think the Bills will play fairly well against him. If you have another option other than Matt Stafford, I would play it. If you don't, he is safe to play. If I was ranking, Matt Stafford would probably be ranked number 12 or 13 if he was included in everything. Because again, Matt Stafford is still a competent quarterback. That's a fringe RB uh, QB1. Sorry about that. French QB1 in a 12 team league. Um, and it is outside of QB1 status, a QB2 in 10 team leagues. Again, there's got to be better options for you in most instances. Uh, even if you were doing something where you had uh, even a Trevor Lawrence or someone going this week, it might be a better option than Matt Stafford 
just given the matchup. Although no Trey White, uh, Tredavious White might actually make things a little bit easier on him. Let's move on to the running backs. This is actually usually a strength for the Rams. The Rams have been a run game centric team for years. Even last year, initially, they tried to run the ball, but they had an injury to Cam Akers. He's still not 100% uh, back to being him. You know, that's going to come along in time, but he's not back. I don't even know if he's going to be fully active or if he'll be on a pitch count if he is active in this game. So I would fade all of their running backs because each of them have some sort of nagging injury or are rookies. Kyron Williams uh, is, Kyron Williams is uh, out of Notre Dame is the guy that everyone's talking about. I even picked up in a league just simply to as a as a dart throw uh, in case Cam Akers doesn't come back fully, which I expect him to recover this year, or Daryl Henderson, who's dealt with nagging injuries, doesn't come back. And let's look at a guy like uh, Devin Singletary. I actually think that he could be a solid play today, a sneaky play, especially in daily fantasy. Uh, not a guy that's thought of as that running back guy, but with a new offense coordinator in there, do they start to actually take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen and him just being a battering ram uh, in that offense when Brian Dable was there? Now Ken Dorsey is the new OC. So the running backs in general, I would fade slash in daily fantasy, I could look at possibly using Devin Singletary as a sneaky play. The wide receivers, this one's super easy. You are starting every wide receiver that you have on that roster. Simply put, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. We'll start with the Super Bowl champion Rams. Cooper Cup, you're not benching Cooper Cup. Again, if you're playing like the single game daily fantasy, it might be someone to not have uh, as your MVP, but you're probably going to be starting him anyway. Allen Robinson with no Tredavious White and them having some issues at corner. Kyra Elam, who is the first round draft pick, he's still trying to catch on and see what he can do. So Allen Robinson might actually eat tonight uh, compared to a Cooper Cup. On the other side, Stefan Diggs. Listen, usually when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey, it's a shadow, but Jalen Ramsey's not used in most shadow scenarios. Uh, he is used as kind of their move piece, a joker, or in their defense, I think he's referred to as a star, uh, as the star. So basically he'll play in the slot. Uh, he'll play a little bit of linebacker. He'll play outside corner. He might even drop back to safety. He'll do a lot of different things to confuse a guy like Josh Allen or any quarterback. Uh, so Stefan Diggs won't get that shadow coverage, maybe a 50% him having uh, Jalen Ramsey on him uh, in his game. Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis is not a fade here for me, but it is one of those things that he's just kind of, the Gabe Davis love has gone too far. Not that he's not a, a, a really good football player. It's just people are valuing Gabe Davis over people who have been more proven in the past, in the recent past. So you're going to play all these wide receivers, just have some tempered outcome expectations in this game. Again, two good teams going up against each other. The tight end position is one that's kind of in flux for both of these. You have uh, upside guys, Higby, and you have uh, Dawson Knox, two guys that I don't think are really good tight end targets. I don't think that they're anywhere near tight end top 10 targets. Um, they're more best ball players because they can have a big breakout. Dawson Knox can have a two or three touchdown game, but you just never never know when it's coming. The same thing with Higby. He's just kind of fallen off the map since they've gotten rid of Jared Goff, and now Higby's not really that guy to go to. So uh, not a guy I would be playing. As far as the defenses, this is a weird situation. I would actually tell you that in season long, you're playing both. You're playing the Rams defense. It has Aaron Donald. It has uh, Bobby Wagner. It has Jalen Ramsey. You're playing them, even against the Bills. You're playing the Bills. 
because again, you drafted them in your season long. You're not going to go drop a, a running back with upside to go get a second defense. You drafted them with the knowledge that, listen, this might not work out for me week one, but it's going to work out for me season long. So you're playing both defenses. What you're not doing is in daily fantasy, again, playing either. If you're playing in like a short term, if you're playing in full week, you're definitely not playing them. Way better options. If you're playing uh, just this game tonight, you don't want to use either defense. It's just not going to end well for you. You might as well take a flyer on putting, let's say, Allen Robinson, like I said, at your MVP, hoping to get that 1.5 uh, times value if he has a touchdown or two because the exterior cornerbacks aren't going to be that strong in this game. So let's move on to the actual game and the matchup. See, my early read on this game, and I still feel good about this, is that the Bills should actually blow them out in some respect. Not by like 21, but I think this will be a game where they handle it and win by 7 to 10, and feel I feel pretty good about that. Here's the things that kind of upset me, though. There's a lot of things that come into play here. One of them is the Super Bowl champ continuously wins this game. It's generally a situation where they are favored, and the other team, if good enough, covers. This is one of those weird scenarios where the Bills are actually favored by two and a half points on the road and so far. Just looking at the matchup in general, if the Bills had Trey White, this wouldn't even be a game. I think what would happen is they would just almost completely eliminate Allen Robinson, forcing Cooper Cup to be double teamed. And while that would work, they would have to chop the ball down the field, a lot more hits on him, and a a lot of chances for Matt Stafford to kind of screw this game up. On the other side, not having healthy running backs and having a rookie probably have to play meaningful snaps is not something you want to do when you're the Rams and you're playing against a Buffalo Bills unit that struggled to stop the run. That was one of their few issues with stopping the run. So now you have a Matt Stafford with a with a banged up elbow, even if they say he's fine. Not any running game. So you're going to be empty quite a bit. And you have athletic linebackers who can stay on the field uh, in, Ed, in Edmonds and also Milano. I don't see this game matching up really well for the Rams. A lot of the betting odds are in the Rams' favor, but I don't trust them. Meaning, even though the Rams, Sean McVay, he comes out and covers week one all the time. The Bills, over the last like five or six years, I think it's six years, they've won three openers. They've won all these openers, but three times it's against the Jets. This is a real team. I, again, don't think this is a common situation. I'm going to end up taking the Bills, 24, and the Rams, 17. Way under, right? That's why I said start those defenses. I really do think that this is a situation where these two defenses get at each other. There's not a lot of points put on the board, even though you would expect for there to be. This is just a weird game for me early on. I expect a low-scoring scenario just because I think both teams will try to be protective against each other. It's kind of like how Super Bowls go, where when the Super Bowl happens, people expect a lot of points. you got the two best teams in the NFL, and then all of a sudden, things are slowed down. I expect that to be the type of game that's played in this one. Uh, the over-under is 52. I'm, I'm clearly saying take the under here. I don't feel amazingly confident about it. If I had to put, I'm going to put the Bills to cover at an 8 as a confidence score, and I'm going to put the under here as a six. I think that that's what's going to happen, but I do feel more confident about the Bills covering than this not becoming a late game shootout. I think early on, it'll be a very measured game in nature. All right, so we're going to move on to the next game. We're going to start with the 1 p.m. games on September 11th. Always tough to start a season on that specific day. Um, 
But we're going to start with the New Orleans Saints traveling to the Atlanta Falcons uh, to play against uh, a team that's going to be quarterbacked by Marcus Mariota. Now, just from a matchup standpoint, looking at this, the Saints are going to should match up extremely well against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have are, are a run-centric team against a team that's been one of the best run-stopping teams in the NFL over the last half decade. Okay. One of the things the Saints do struggle with is a quarterback that's mobile. They're going to need Marcus Mariota to really create with his legs to move things and prove things for this team. Their wide receiver position is going to be thin on the Atlanta side. Drake London is still not really 100%. Uh, it's starting to become worrisome, and I'm going to get this out there and just say it. Drake London might end up being kind of a Leonard Fournette early on in his career where he struggles to stay on the field. He had issues in college staying on the field, and people may say, oh, well, it's freak injury. Well, now it's it's lingered into now his NFL career with a different injury. So it's let's see how that actually plays out. That being the case, I think the Saints secondary will be able to try to bracket and play interesting coverages against Kyle Pitts to not let him go off too much. I think he'll still have a really good game, uh, but I don't know if he'll have this massive game that he should have if they had a Calvin Ridley or even a Drake, a healthy Drake London on the field to affect coverage. On the other side of the ball, as long as the Saints stay away from A.J. Terrell and block Brady Jarrett, I think for the most part they'll be fine. Use tempered and measured approaches. I think that they're going to come out and try to either get one over the top, but in general, run the ball, play it kind of safe till they get a lead. And then they'll let Jameis uh, let it loose, especially in the second half, uh, to try to put the game away. I actually think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people expect. They expect a blowout. This is one that I'm actually going to have with a very similar score to the last one, but a little closer. I like the Saints winning this one, but not covering. Uh, 24 to 20. And I know that sounds weird to say, especially when, uh, you know, the Falcons aren't good and this and that and the other. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. The Falcons aren't a playoff contending team, but the Falcons are a nuisance team to play against. They're going to bludgeon you. They have athletic quarterbacks that will frustrate you. They have a defense that has some talent on it, doesn't have talent everywhere on it. But they'll be a frustrating team to play. play. And New Orleans does struggle playing in Atlanta, even when they've been either heavy favorites or they've just been favorites that they look like the better team. So, like I said, I have this Falcons covering that five and a half. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I would actually say stay away from this one. Just knowing this rivalry from a personal level, these are the types of games where covering is not what people care about that are on that field, which they rarely do, but winning, just knowing that this is the type of game that they can lose just because it's a trap game early in the season on the road. I think the Saints will play a little closer to the vest to make sure that they win this game, not to try to win by five and a half. And then the over-under is 43. I actually had a final score combined of 44. So what I'm saying is that's a five. I would kind of stay away from this one. I wouldn't touch it because I think they did a good job with the over-under on this particular game. All right, moving on to the next game. The 49ers are visiting the Chicago Bears and the 49ers are a seven-point favorite in this game. Listen, the Bears didn't do a lot to help out their young franchise quarterback in Justin Fields with adding things in on the offensive line. They tried to make a little stuff happen, but they didn't do much. And on the in the receiving core, I don't think that they added the splash player. I'll be very upset if in next year's draft they don't go get a, a high-caliber wide receiver, but Darnell Mooney's a solid piece. Phyllis Jones, older guy, so he should fit right in early on, even though I think he had an injury. 
And then you look at a guy like Byron Pringle, who is not a household name, but Byron Pringle, uh, Tampa Bay uh, native, is actually a really good wide receiver. He's one of those NFL wide receivers that, <laughs> this is going to sound weird to say, if Madden was properly rating him, he'd be rated at 79. Just one of those dudes, he's going to get the job done. He's a good route runner, exceptional speed, has pretty good hands as well. It's just that he's not one of those uber upper echelon guys. But playing in a system like he did in Kansas City, he learned quite a bit. And I think he'll put it on display in this game. Cole Komet, also a guy who will get a lot of targets, really good rapport with Justin Fields on a defense. Chicago has an odd situation on defense, but I think Iberflus will make some things happen back there. They have a lot of safeties that could actually play football. Uh, the cornerback position is a little odd. Uh, Rokon Smith is always going to be a baller on that in that linebacking core. The defensive line is an, an interesting one in my perspective. I don't know how much pressure they'll be able to generate uh, against San Francisco, but San Francisco is a run-based team. So as long as they keep a guy like Rokon Smith clean to make tackles, they should be fine on defense. And on the San Francisco 49ers side, they'll be able to get after the after the quarterback. I'm hoping that there's not going to be a lot of plays that make Justin Fields hold on to the ball because this is an active front with a lot of talent on the back end. And then you look at their offense. The Trey Lance thing, I think it's going a little too far. If you had an expectation, first off, my opinion is he shouldn't have been drafted number three overall. That's just my opinion. But guess what? People who actually work in the NFL who coach NFL teams and our GMs in NFL teams decided that he should have been and traded away a lot of capital. If you expected Trey Lance to be better by now than he is, you probably didn't understand how things work. And that includes people who work in the NFL. The guy doesn't have a lot of passing attempts. He doesn't have a lot of familiarity with playing, especially outside of structure. The NFL is about learning in structure and being able to adapt and adjust outside of it. That's not Trey Lance yet. He's made some splash plays happen, but he doesn't know how to play in structure yet, and he doesn't know how to exceed uh, or excel, I should say, outside of structure. So this is one of those sneaky games where I would definitely take the under in it uh, because my final score speaks of the under. I'm going 17 to 13 here with the 49ers winning. I think it'll be a closer game than people expect. I think you have two young quarterbacks that people need to hold back and manage. I think the Bears defense will play better than expected. I think the 49ers defense will play as well as expected. So that's 30 points. Now I'll go look at the over-under. It's 40.5. I'm going with the under on this one. Um, I'm putting a confident score of 8 on it. I, I feel pretty confident that no matter what happens, one of two things can happen in this game. You can have a blowout by San Francisco, right, if things go well. If that's the case, do you think the Bears are going to be put up points? Or you can have a, a win by the Bears in a close one. And do you think the Bears are going to score a crap ton of points? It means the 49ers are turning the ball over, not making things happen, and the game will be mucked up. That's why I have the under in this one. And I do have the, the Bears covering here. Listen, a lot of times in these types of games, you're going on the road in a tough environment with a young quarterback. This is not the game for you to go show out and show up and do what you need to do. This is a game where you try to get out with the W, and I think that's what the 49ers will do in this particular matchup. All right, moving on to the next game, which is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It was seven, so I'll start there. So it's pretty interesting that it moved down. Okay, 
let's go ahead and look and see why this matchup speaks to a blowout, but people are probably saying, no, 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 no. This looks a lot, a lot, a lot like last year's opening game where the Bills, I believe, ended up losing to Pittsburgh, where it's just, if you put too much on your shoulders and you try to prove so much, sometimes you fall flat on your face. I'm hoping upon hope that a guy like Joe Burrow does not allow that to happen. But let me go ahead and get this out here. While Cincinnati has all these requisite parts, they put a great offensive line in front of them from the perspective of a great effort, I should say, to put an offensive line in front of them. Getting Alex Kappa and, and adding in, you know, Lyle Collins and a lot of different guys they added in. They have four new starters from last year's team. Keep in mind, Super Bowl losers generally have a hangover. Now, it doesn't mean that they go away fully. Look what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs, but these are not your Kansas City Chiefs, folks. Zach Taylor's not Andy Reid. And there's a couple of things that kind of play negatively into this for the Cincinnati Bengals. One, I don't like that Joe Burrow had the appendectomy, and apparently, while he's quote-unquote fine, this might be a protect Joey game. Um... He's fine. He's all healed up, but he was out of camp for that time. He was out of, off the field for that time. Okay, so that's one thing. Number two, that defense is not a stellar unit at this stage. It's not a bad unit. It's middle of the road, in my opinion. Middle of the pack. I think that Pittsburgh can scheme some things up to move the ball, even with a quote-unquote bad offensive line. Mitch Trubisky has some athleticism. Najee Harris is a heck of a running back, and if Deontay Johnson is healthy. Things should go well. Even if he's not, I do think George Pickens is a quality wide receiver. And Chase Claypool does have talent, even though he doesn't consistently exhibit it. And then you look at the Pittsburgh side of it. I'm going to trust the coaching staff over there more than I trusted in Cincinnati. Okay? I'm going to trust that defense as much as I trust the Cincinnati offense. Because consistently, that defense is good. And it's improved from last year. And last year, they gave teams fits. So... I understand why the movement is where it is, but of going down from seven to six and a half. I actually do have the Bengals, oddly enough, almost on the nose winning this game uh, by seven. And the final score that I had was Bengals 24, Steelers uh, 17. Now you're seeing a lot of unders here for me because the over under, that's 41 combined points. The over under here is 44.5. I do think the Bengals could explode and put up more points. I don't see Pittsburgh explode and put up a bunch of points. Again, I'm going with the protective nature of the Bengals with Joey Burrow early in the season, making sure that offensive line gels well. You still have an aggressive front from the Pittsburgh Steelers that gets after folks. And so I think they're just going to try to get out of there with a W. It's a home game. But again, there's a lot of things that play in here and come into factor. If I was going to give a confident score on that six and a half point or seven, wherever you get it, Again, put it at five, right in the middle. It's because I'm not betting on this. I could see things going over or under on it. It's a pretty good line that was set. As far as the under, I'm putting a conference level of six on it. I do think they're going to try to protect, but at the same point in time, it's one of those situations where they might try to open it up. Moving on to the next 1 p.m. game. You're going to have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. Now, this one is an interesting situation and setup. The Detroit Lions were on Hard Knocks. We got to see all the heartfelt stories and all that. To be candid, I did not watch Hard Knocks. Not because I don't respect what they're doing in Detroit. I actually do like Dan Campbell's, uh, how he set things up, the people he's hired, how they're approaching stuff for the most part, and building that team. 
I don't like the drama that comes along with trying to sell a product to people and that's just not for me. It's for other people and cool, go for it. I say go watch it, go watch Hard Knocks. I'm sure it's a good watch, just not for me. And then Philadelphia Eagles. Yo, Philadelphia, I was early on this and now people are starting to catch on. Now people are starting to realize, I got questioned. You had the number one seed as Philadelphia and this is back in July, I posted this. You have them as the number one seed. You don't know what you're talking about. Maybe I don't. But now a lot of people who you all believe are intelligent are starting to agree with me. So what does this mean? Let's look at the two teams and how they match up. You're going to have a quarterback in Jared Goff who is competent. Stop making Jared Goff out to be terrible. He's not. He's not. He's a uh, an average to below average quarterback on as usual. But he can play really good football sometimes. Yes, he can be awful sometimes, but I think he plays average as a quarterback. Wide receiver room. I want to say Brown is a good player. They're trying to make him out to be a great player. Maybe he will be, but not at this stage yet. And then the vertical threat with DJ Chark. Let's see if he actually ingratiates himself in this offense. We, we heard the same stuff last year about Tyrell Williams, and guess what happened? Tyrell Williams never existed. So this is going to be a run-based offense, a smash-mouth team that's going to try to run the ball at you with a, with a heavy offensive line. Here's the problem. That defensive line they're going against is a monster. Brandon Graham being healthy. Having uh, Fletcher Cox, who is a beast. Jordan Davis, who is an actual physical freaking a monster. I think he's six foot six, 360 pounds. It's absurd. And runs like a, a four eight. Just not a real person. Improved linebacking core, including the Kobe Dean, who, again, just a steal in the draft. Third round made no sense. I kept trying to mock him in the first round because he is a first-round talent. I think he's better than Devin Lloyd. That's just my opinion, especially if you're going to play him at middle linebacker. And then the, the secondary secondary is going to be a beast. If Detroit does try to throw the ball, where are you going? At Darius Slay, James Bradbury, or CJ Gardner-Johnson? Okay, probably not at any of them, so you're going to be running the ball. Here's what I think happens. I think the Eagles and what should be a close game early, eventually lean on them. I'm in, I I said this to start the season. I expect the 2022 Eagles to look in some respects, not fully, but in some respects, like the 2019 Ravens, where they just run over people and also throw the ball periodically. A lot of efficiency from Hurts. Hurts destroys some of the narrative, and I'm actually disappointed in some of the people that I respect and listen to who still are just so negative on Hurts and all of his inefficiencies not realizing some of the guys you all champion just aren't you all told me Carson Wentz was the next great thing and I told you hold on bump your brakes so anyway uh, I have the Eagles winning this one pretty handily to be candid I have them winning 30 to 20 so what does that mean uh, 30 to 20 I have the over in this one in this particular one. I think it's going to be more dedicated to the Eagles actually scoring a lot of points and then the Lions taking advantage late. I don't think the, the, the score will be as close as that 10-point score. Uh, so the over is 48.5. I'd put a 6 for the over. I think that they will achieve some points in this game uh, playing in Detroit on that fast turf. And then the spread is uh, minus 4 for the Eagles. I have them smashing that. I'm putting that as a 9. Uh, I won't go as a Stone Cold Lock. I don't want to have one yet because I actually want to see the game. Stone Cold Locks are things that I 100% put my money down on and also, want, uh, you know, I expect you to put your money down on if you like betting uh, because I'm putting my own money down on those uh, those particular bets as well. I started the season off last year 7-0 with my Stone Cold Locks. 
in a bad run. I think I went seven and three until I won another one. Um, so yeah, just give me a kind of a, an overview of how this goes. Next one o'clock game. And I'm going to try to fly through some of these folks because it's only an hour long show. I know you all don't need to listen to my monotone voice for that long. And you got to go watch some football. So next game, the Patriots and the Dolphins. This is a pretty easy one to me. I don't like the dysfunction that's going on with the Patriots. The only reason that there's any sort of positivity with this team is because the head coach is Bill Belichick. I think this is a team ripe to have a losing record. 7-10 is where I think they're going to be this season. And I think this is a loss that they start the season off with. The Miami Dolphins here, they're built well. And even though I don't know if their head coach is going to be a great head coach or even a good head coach in the NFL, that team is set up to beat people, period. A really good head coach left that organization in good in a good place, and then they added more talent to it. So, the over-under is 3.5 for Miami. I have Miami covering that. I don't think there's going to be this blowout blowout, but I do expect Miami to score some points. Give me the Dolphins, 27-20. to 20. Funny part about that, the over-under is 46, so I have the over but only by one point. I'm going to put that as a five. Again, stay away from these. A lot of these bets early on in the season are pretty, a lot of these lines are really good for the understanding of where teams are. It'll start to shift more. You usually make money early on several things, a handful, but in general, you don't want to touch most stuff. Weeks two and three is when you start to get more of the money that can be made. And then you want to kind of stand off because then the NFL kind of things temper out and even out. As far as that, uh, cover three and a half is the spread. I have seven by the Dolphins, so I'm gonna give it a seven as far as my confidence on it. It's something you can bet on. I believe the Dolphins are gonna, you know, make that. I think it's two and eight. I think the, the Patriots have lost an absurd amount of games in Miami um, over the last several years. The Jets and the Ravens. Jets will be hosting the Ravens. I'll make this one pretty simple. I think the Ravens will make this game boring for you to watch on purpose. I think the Ravens will try to run the ball. I think they'll throw the ball to places that you all aren't used to seeing and will annoy you for some of the folks that love watching quote-unquote high-flying. Personally, I like watching winning football, and when teams win, I think it's a good thing. Um, so I think that's what they're going to try to do. I think the Jets have made improvements on the from the talent perspective, but... I don't know if the Jets are ready for this type of situation. No. Unlike when they've upset teams in the past, whether it's the Titans or the Bengals, this is them looking like the Ravens are going to look them straight in the face. And eventually it's going to become a slugfest. And unfortunately, they're down a few bullets in the chamber. And I just don't think the Ravens are going to lose this game. I actually have the Ravens winning this one. Kind of going away. It's going to be 31-20. to I believe that this will be more scoring than you expect. I think Joe Flacco is still competent as a quarterback, so he'll be able to put some points up, especially late. A lot of check downs and a lot of work to the slot. Uh, I actually said that Michael Carter was my sleeper, uh, one of my two sleepers on the week. As a running back, he'll be the starter uh, coming out, and I think in a game where they'll be trailing, even if Brees Hall is going to get the bulk of the carries, Michael Carter in a PPR format will probably get somewhere between 7 and 10 receptions. That's PPR gold. Uh, and he might score a touchdown in the proceedings. So what does that mean? Again, over-under is 44.5. I had a combined score of 51. That means I'm pretty comfortable with this going over and the Ravens being the reason it goes over, even with limited possessions in this particular scenario. I'm going to give it a 7 on comfort level. 
as far as the Ravens covering, I had them winning by 11 on a seven point uh, situation. I'm actually going to give this one a five or six. And the reason being is I can see this being a game that the Ravens lead and dominate in the whole time. And then a late score literally is the reason like it could be, you know, 31, like I said, to 17 and a late score by the Jets and they decide to go for two. And all of a sudden, it's 31-25, and you just lost your money or even a push on your money when you knew you had your, your money set. It'd be an awful feeling. So I would say don't bet this. Don't bet a lot of these lines early on. That Eagles one I feel confident in, but don't bet a lot of these lines uh, early on. They're usually set pretty well. Next game, the Jacksonville Jaguars are visiting the Washington Commanders. I'm going to have to just get used to saying it like that, but the Washington Commanders... This one is pretty simple to me. You have uh, the original version of Carson Wentz playing against the souped-up 2.0 version of Carson Wentz uh, in Trevor Lawrence. Against the souped-up version of Carson Wentz, um, (laughs) the original Carson Wentz coach is now the souped-up version's coach. So, I say like this. I look across the board. If Chase Young was there and they didn't have some other issues with their defense... I think this will be a defensive matchup that can give some problems to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still think that the defensive unit is going to be good. When Chase Gunn gets back, it's going to be really good. But that doesn't scare me if I'm them. The offensive unit, the missing piece of Brian Robinson, I think, is really going to be an issue. I think that they're going to give Antonio Gibson his shot. I don't think think he'll succeed at it, just personally. I do think Terry McLaurin might have a big game in this one. Jacksonville has... uh, not the best cornerbacks, and I think that's where you can attack. It's deep, and McLaurin is known for doing that, uh, so you might get some points out of him, but I do think this Jacksonville offense against this team will be efficient, effective, put up points. I think Trevor Lawrence will have a pretty solid day, uh, three touchdown type day, uh, due to mind. I think this one is one that can get kind of wacky, and I do have Jacksonville covering. Give me a final score in this one of 27 to 20, uh, Jacksonville winning. Jacksonville is a dog in this one at two and a half points. I'm actually taking them straight up. This is one that I'm going to put a confidence level of nine for them to cover. I do think they win this game straight up, which means them covering the two and a half point, uh, getting two and a half points means that clearly they covered if they won straight up. Um, 44 points is the over under. I'm going to give a confidence level of six on this one. Again, it's kind of close to my final. So of 27 to 20, 47 points. The thing is, I don't know what Washington's going to do. I really don't trust Carson Wentz. He's going to have to prove to me that he is a quarterback that can be trusted, and he has not done that in the past. The Browns, playing against a city that I'm currently in, uh, Charlotte and the Carolina Panthers. Listen, I'm going to upset some people right now. You ready to be upset, folks? Because the movement on this game has been interesting. Okay, I'm pretty sure that the Carolina Panthers were a favorite in this one. I had this gut feeling, because everything says Carolina should win this game. I think the Carolina has an underrated defense. I like Brian Burns. Uh, yesterday, well, Weekside Wednesday show, I said that Brian Burns was a good long shot to win NFL Defense Player of the Year. I like what they're doing uh, in the secondary. You know, I like Jeremy Chen as well. On the offense, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. All these things. Baker Mayfield, new quarterback, right? 
I'm going to stick to consistency. And what's consistent is the Browns are going to come in and be the Browns. I think the Panthers are going to try to do a bunch of stuff to prove that they are really good. And I think that the betting public and the Sharps are coming in on this to kind of go along with it. Because I'm pretty sure the Panthers were favorites in this one. Okay. Um, If that's the case, the Panthers were favorites. It's now set at even. It's a pick em game. I see an ugly game. I see a game that's going to be frustrating. I see the Browns winning 23-21. to 21. Um, Not even going to call it a last-second field goal. I think they just kind of control a lot of this game. Not dominate it, but control a lot of it. Control the tempo. A lot of Nick Chubb. A lot of Kareem Hunt. Even Dearness Johnson. And play action um, with Amari Cooper getting involved in this game. <laughs> so... With it being a pick'em game, I, I, I'd steer clear of this. Um, if you had to choose one of these teams to blow the other one out, the Panthers are the choice. But if you had to have a muck-it-up, ugly game, I really think the Browns will be an effective team, and I think they get the W in this one. And again, I think I had the Browns going 6-11 and on the season, and the Panthers, a sneaky 9-8 and or 10-7. and I can't remember. I think it was 9-8. and But a sneaky, possible, fringy playoff team. But in this one... I just had that weird feeling that it's going to end up being the Browns. And then my over-under in that one was 44. The over-under in this is 42. Put another five on this. This is a game I would steer clear of betting, folks. There's too many things, too many storylines. And when your quarterback's a guy like Baker Mayfield, that stuff matters. I don't care what you want to say. Baker Mayfield, hey, it comes out positive sometimes for him. That fieriness, that emotion. Sometimes if he gets rolling, he's rolling. But it can be a negative. And in a situation where this needs to be tempered and measured, with the quarterback on the other side of the field being the guy who is Jacoby Brissett, a guy who is tempered and measured, that this just looks looks weird for the Panthers. I, I don't know if they, they're ready for what's going to happen. All right, and the last 1 p.m. game is going to be the Colts at the Texans. Now, this is an ugly game, in my opinion. And why I say it's an ugly game is because you have one team that should be a playoff team. They should win this division. They should fairly comfortably win the division. I don't think they will fairly comfortably win it. Let me get that out of the way. But they should, on paper, fairly comfortably win this division. You have a team that could quite possibly pick number one overall. Remember what happened last year when one team was favored? Now, again, different circumstances, a rookie quarterback. But one team was favored and the other one was going to be picking number one overall. Yeah, Jacksonville came in and some people, I didn't get it. I even told you. I was like, Jacksonville is probably going to pick number one overall. Like I was like, it's more likely that Jacksonville picks number one overall than they do make the playoffs. Uh, people were sneaky playoff team. I'm like, no, they're not at all. Trevor Lawrence has a lot of things to learn. Really talented, but a lot of things to learn. And Urban Meyer, I never knew what people saw in him from an NFL standpoint. Um, and the Texans, they were they, they were workmen. They came in and bludgeoned them. And this is a game where I don't think that'll happen. But what I think will happen is this is going to be an ugly close game. I think the Texans are going to play good football. I think they're going to play sound football. Lovey Smith is a good coach, just like David Culley. Those are the types of coaches... They won't excel you into being a Super Bowl caliber team at this stage. But guess what they're going to do? You're going to play competent, good quality football because those are really good coaches. And I think that's what happens here. I think the talent gap that they they do have, 
will eventually take over in the end. But I have an ugly, muck it up type of game again. A lot of these early on. I have a 21 to 17 Colts victory in this one with Jonathan Taylor being the guy to get his requisite touchdown, maybe even two in the game. Davis Mills, I don't think he'll be a factor in this. I think he'll be not hidden because Davis Mills isn't awful. But Davis Mills to me isn't a game changer. I think that he is he is the perfection backup quarterback for most rosters. A guy who can competently come in and run the offense if necessary. Again, for most offenses, that's what a lot of teams want. But he's not going to really do anything outside of himself. He's not going to do anything special or helpful. Okay? So that's my whole thing. I just think Davis Mills is going to end up being uh, just him. It's not going to make them get over the hump. Matt Ryan will be competent because that's what Matt Ryan is at this stage of his career. And you have the Colts not covering this. Now, this is probably a, a big eliminator pool uh, pick. You're going to be sweating this one out. I even have them in one eliminator pool. I'll be sweating this one out. I don't think the Texans will win the game. But again, I think it'll be a close game all game. And then the talent for the Colts will just end up winning out. Again, 21 to 17 Colts. Um, I'm putting a confidence level of four on this. I'm going under the average by a little bit. Reason being, there's a chance that you may get a blowout by the Colts in this one. They may run them in with them if they get uh, uh, any sort of turnovers. Remember, Stephon Gilmore will probably shadow at some point or at least play a lot on Brandon Cooks. And if there's not that outlet, what do what what happens for that Texans offense? The over-under on this is, this is funny, it is 45.5. I'm going with the under. Because I can see two scenarios playing out here pretty pretty comfortably, in my opinion. I believe that either it'll be a close game that stays under, like I have it, currently 38 points is my projection, or the Colts put up a sizable amount of points and end up winning 31-7. to I don't see the Texans putting up more than, let's say, 20 points in a game. And this 45.5, I can comfortably say that that'll be an under. I'm giving it a 7 on the scale of comfort in that one. All right, so we're going to get to the late games here and then the Monday night game. So let's start with the late games. Uh, the Giants are playing the Titans in the 425 game, uh, that window. So this is one of those other ones. I do think that the Titans have a sneaky good defense, but the injury by Harold Landry and how do they adjust is going to be something to be seen. I don't think that the Giants will come out and do anything that's going to be great on defense. I just don't think they have the requisite talent combined with having Tavon uh Kayvon Thibodeau being out. I just don't think they'll be able to generate the pass rush and also effectively be able to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where you might get something from the Giants that surprises you. You might have Kadarius Toney go off. Even a a Kenny Galladay uh, appearance again. Daniel Jones may surprise a little bit, but I really do think Saquon Barkley will be the guy to have a pretty solid to good day in this one. Keeping this close, I do like a little bit of points being put up because I think Dable will have a quick moving offense. And I think the Titans, even with their grind it out, slow it down, will eventually get a big breakout run by Derrick Henry or a play action pass to Robert Woods over the top, that type of deal. I do have the Titans winning this one in an ugly game. Again, that five and a half really bothers me. I have them winning 27 to 24 uh, Titans. So it means they don't cover. 
I'm putting a confidence level of six on that. I think this is an ugly game. I think it's a three or four point win by the Titans in this one. That five and a half, that's usually set there to really frustrate people and take their money. Okay, five and a half is that one. I almost never bet five and a halves. Like it's just it's just an awkward setting. Five and a half is um, it, it it never sits well for me. Uh, to, to cover, you have to have a touchdown victory, basically. That's what has to happen. So I usually don't like it unless I think there's some issue with the team that is the underdog. And then the over-under on this one. So I have a combined score of 51. This is 43.5. The 43.5 makes a lot of sense, but I do think this will be, especially in that second window, one that kind of gets a little happy, a little, especially on the Giants' side. A little pass happy. They'll take some chances. They'll make some things happen and try to put up some points. This is one of those situations where I do think points will be put up more than expected in that late window. And so I put a conference level of seven on them going over the 43 and a half. Next game is a divisional matchup with the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings here. I'm going to go ahead and put this out here. Before any of the stuff came out, before anything, when I was doing my picks back in July, this is a game that I had the Minnesota Vikings winning. Just period. I like, even with the addition of the new coaching staff, which can sometimes throw stuff off, the fact that they came in and if you apply, strictly apply the makeup of what they tried to run with the Jared Goff version of the Los Angeles Rams to the Vikings, it's a better version than they've ever had with the Rams. It's a better version of the Rams than they've ever had with upgrades at quarterback, running back, yes, Todd Gurley, for a year of that offense was better than Dalvin Cook, but over the long haul, Dalvin Cook is better than what they've had. Uh, receivers is just an overall upgrade. So I like the Vikings in this game. I didn't like what was happening with the Packers and now hearing about more injuries and just eating in the depth of that wide receiver position with Lazar probably not playing. Um, I have the Vikings winning this one. And I have the Vikings putting up some solid points. Uh, 27 to 20 winning this game. Vikings are underdogs. This is another confidence level nine for them to cover. You know, the Packers should be the team to win this one. I just feel, I'm not bullish on the Vikings as a team, but I'm bullish on this game. It just seems like a terrible matchup early on. You know, this is usually an Aaron Rodgers turn it on game, but I don't know if he'll be able to turn it on. There'll be a lot of pressure on him coming with Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter coming off those edges. I just don't know if it's going to work out the way he wants it to. And it's it's funny how these things work out. I I said 27 to 20. Uh, Minnesota, the over-under is 47. So <laughs> while I put a confidence level of nine on that Minnesota thing, and I, I'm, I'm tempted to put a confidence level of 10 on this, but I'm going to stick with nine. I will go with a five on the over-under because, again, I hit it on the nose. Again, with these, I don't look at the over-under. I look at the score that I think is going to happen. Then I look at the spread and the over-under after the spread. So sometimes I'm familiar with the spread. It pops up everywhere. The over-under is usually more hidden in nature, folks. All right, there's only a few more games to go, but let's go with the Kansas City Chiefs at the Arizona Cardinals. This is a weird and wild one. And the reason I say it like that is because the Chiefs, this looks and smells like the Chiefs should beat the crap out of the Arizona Cardinals. But I think Arizona, this is just my opinion. No D-hop. And I even said this in, in my hip as far as my must-starts. No D-hop in this game, right? I think the Cardinals early on will try their best to get this game slowed down and really do what actually Kirk, uh, 
uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been good at doing, actually running the ball. So they're going to give James Conner a lot of carries. He might get 20-plus carries in this game. Slow it down. Try to keep this thing close because otherwise, I think Kansas City will run them out the gym. I do have Kansas City winning this one. And I do have Kansas City winning this one with a good score. I have a 28-21 game here with Kansas City getting the W. The, the spread is 6 for Kansas City. So I'm giving it a 5. Again, Kansas City should blow them out. And my gut says that they'll win by 7, which is virtually the spread here. That's why I give it a 5. I wouldn't bet on this game because even with the blowout, the Cardinals could make it closer than necessary in that game. Now, what I do have here is technically the under at 49 points, 28 to 21. There could be more points scored in this game. But what I will say is if they play keep away and they try to make sure that Kansas City does not have a lot of points, uh, a lot of possessions, that'll slow things down. It takes possession out of game. Kansas City will probably chop the ball down the field, a little more meticulous in their uh, how they do stuff, especially proving it in game one. Run the ball a little bit more with Edward Delaire uh, than you all might expect. And also, they're not going to have Tyree Kill over the top. There might not be a lot of one-play drives early on in this game. I think game two and three is where you'll see it happen with McCole Hartman getting a shot over the top. So that that under, I'm going to give a confidence level of six. Again, floating on this game, this is one of those games that you really don't want to touch because it has the opportunity to be a lot of different things. One of those is one that negatively impacts your pocket. The Raiders at the Chargers in a divisional matchup here. Um, the Raiders, you know, both the Raiders and the Chargers add, added a pass rusher that complements the one that was already on their team. Getting a Khalil Mack to go opposite of Joey Bosa allows Bosa to just kind of pin his ears back and come off the edge as Mack can also slide to play the run. Uh, getting a guy uh, to go opposite of Max Crosby and a guy like Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones bends the edge well. Uh, it allows Max Crosby to actually get up the field, eliminate double teams that he was facing all the time um, in last season. And on the offensive side of the ball, look, everyone's talking about Justin Herbert. I understand. The physical tools are there, and he's really a good quarterback. He set records, okay? Some of these records, in my opinion, are inflated. I don't value them to the same level as some people do. Um, for passing yards and touchdowns. But what I will say is he did ball out last year. I like Justin Herbert. I think he's a good quarterback. I need to see him actually get it done and win a big game. That's not the Rose Bowl. But at the same point in time, they got all the requisite parts. But I have the Raiders beating the Chargers on the road here. Um, This is a situation where you might see more Raiders jerseys in the stands than Chargers jerseys because they used to play in L.A. And also... I actually like the adults in the room. McDaniels failed in his first attempt to go be a head coach because I think he was a petulant child. I think he's more of an adult now. Derek Carr is an adult in the room. See, when you got a guy, Brandon Staley is not an adult yet. And when I say this, this is not that guy's not a man. He's not an adult yet. I mean, from a coaching perspective, he's still new to this. He's still learning. He's still even saying, I'm going to be myself and all this. You should be yourself, but not to the detriment of your team on fourth down. So he's still learning. Justin Herbert, although he's been a wunder kid to some extent as a passer and he throws a, a beautiful ball, he hasn't taken over in one games yet. He's shown out, but he hasn't won games yet. So I'm going to take the experience over the newbies in this one, in this early matchup, and have the Raiders win in this one. And uh, what should be an entertaining game, 31-28. to 28. Oddly enough, the the spread is flipped. 
with the Chargers being three-point favorites, that means they just got the three points for their home. For those of you all who are familiar with betting, basically, it's estimated in general that about anywhere from two and a half to three and a half points, depending on the environment, whether it's cold, windy, high elevation, goes to the home team, right? So that's an average of three and in the, and compared to neutral site. So if this was on a neutral site, what this spread is saying that at a neutral site, you would see a pick'em game. These teams are completely even. They're giving the home value to them of three points. That's what this is saying. But I'm flipping it on its head. I'm saying that the Chargers are going to end up losing by three. So I have a confidence level on this one of seven. I think the Raiders at this stage are a better team. I think long term through the season with the schedule and everything, the Chargers will have a better record. The over under in this one is 52. It's one of the higher over unders. I'm actually predicting 59 total points. I'm also putting this as a seven. I think both of these offenses will get the job done throw the ball down the field. Even without the presence of Devontae Adams, the Raiders put up a lot of points last year in a week uh, 18 victory on Sunday night football against these Chargers. All right, only two more games to go. And they're the two night games, the Sunday night game, rematch of last year's opening week game uh, with the Buccaneers visiting the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Buccaneers have a lot of issues on their offensive line. And also with their receiving core, Mike Evans having his usual hamstring thing, but he should be a full go. Uh, Chris Godwin, who was a full go at one practice, is now also back uh, as a limited participant of sorts. And then losing Gronkowski is a big deal. So I think the Bucks will look to rely a little more on the run game uh, in this particular scenario. On the defensive side, I think the Bucks are the Bucks. They're going to play well. They're going to stop the run. They're going to fly after the quarterback. And they're still going to have issues on the back end. That's what they do. The Cowboys. The Cowboys will be aggressive up front. They're going to fly around with guys like Michael Parson and Demarcus Lawrence. The issue that the Cowboys are going to have, they're going to need turnovers to really make this into the type of game they want. Uh, which is they want to get out fast, early, and put Brady and company in a bad place. On offense, I trust Dak. Even with missing Tyron Smith and starting a rookie at left tackle, I trust Dak just period, to make things happen. I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more. I know that this is not the best team to run against, but sometimes the inverse of what you you expect to do is the best approach. I think what will happen is you'll see a lot of uh, additional safety slash corner help. A lot of nickel will be played in this, expecting for the Cowboys to be more pass heavy because they are a team that uh, has some good receivers. But that's when you run the, excuse me, run the ball. Sorry about that, folks. That's when you run the ball at them. So I actually have the Cowboys winning this one in a close one. All right. I have the Cowboys in this one, 24 to 21. Sorry, actually it was wrong. I had a 27-24, the Cowboys winning. Um, the Buccaneers are two and a half point favorites. Um, so I have the Cowboys winning straight up. I have a confidence level of seven on this. I actually think the Cowboys at this stage right now are going to be playing better football than you're going to get from the Buccaneers. I know Buccaneers fans will think I'm being a hater. I've actually said this about your team. I have them going 11 and six on the season, starting the season two and four, but then down the stretch going nine and two. The over-under is 50.5. I actually put it at 51. Um, so what I would do in this game, I would fade this game from the over-under perspective. And then the final game on the slate before we close out the show is going to be the 
the Russell Wilsons, the new Russell Wilsons, uh, the Denver Broncos going up there and playing against the old Russell Wilsons, the Seattle Seahawks, okay? This is being played at the link. This is going to be a weird game. I think this one will be one of those awkward games, right? Seattle, candidate to get the number one overall seed, a number one overall pick. Uh, is Geno Smith going to be good enough? This, that, and the other. Is the defense good? And then you have the Broncos, who are a Super Bowl top 10 favorite. I think they're the eighth best by betting odds, eighth or ninth. I see the Broncos winning, but I see the Broncos winning in ugly fashion, 24 to 20. I think this is a game where they try to come out, let Russ cook, some things go wrong early, and then Russ does actually need to cook late to win a game, a tough one on the road after watching all the other good opponents. This is the worst time. If they played a 1 p.m. game, I think it would go really, really, really well for the Denver Broncos, but because they're playing in a night game in Seattle, rabid fan base, trying to prove a point to their old quarterback, I think they'll come out in force. And I see uh, a low-scoring game, 24 to 20 is that final score. So I don't have the Broncos covering. I'm going to go with a six as a conference level here. I don't think Seattle's good. I just think that this is one of those tough matchups for Russell Wilson to have to face off against. I did the same discount to break Baker Mayfield for different reasons, but actually fairly similar reasons. Emotional. No, I don't want to make the joke emotional damage, but no, having excessive emotions could get in the way of this particular game. And the over-under is 44.5. I have a combined score of 44, so I would not touch that, putting a confidence level of 5 on it. All right, folks. That's the full game slate. What I might do in the future is I might just give some scores and then pick out games that I feel good about the betting portions on, right? And really focus on those because I don't want to give you really, you know, too much quick stuff on this or I might have some of the early games I might break it up and have some of the games on week side Wednesday that type of scenario because uh, I don't want to rush through this I really want to give some credence to these games and the outlook for these games so alright folks again the game tonight it's going to be the Rams hosting the Bills should be a good one I'm hoping for a competitive game I do have the Bills winning this one I do think the Bills could win this one pretty handily for those of you all who didn't hear it earlier in the show or just forgot it, again, you can follow me on Twitter, at CJFlorida9. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. So, for Chopping It Up with CJ, this is episode two of season two of Turf Talk Thursdays. This is Chris James signing off. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the entire weekend of football, folks. Take care. And enjoy yourself and the people who you love. <laughs>